Good. Are we alive? Yes. Good. I was going to say, because if you're quieter than the 830 service, it's later you should have more sleep, you know, but uh, hey, it's good to be here. My name is Chris O. I'm one of the student pastors and just absolutely love uh, getting to come to Cabot and hang out with you guys. And you know what? I I just, I'm glad that James and Cody are able to get away and go to the beach. And one of the things that I love about our church is what that man that we just heard from does. And he, he raises up leaders and he gives people a chance uh, to grow and to, to speak and preach and operate in their gifts. And that's the reason why uh, a guy like me can roll up in here today while James is on vacation is uh, because of guys like James, Pastor Rick and Pastor James, who have believed in me. And so anyway, I love our pastors. Can we give it up for our pastors at New Life Church, specifically James and Cody? They're awesome. And before we get into anything, my wife and Maya, my daughter, they couldn't be here today, and we've got German family coming in town on Tuesday, and so our house is in, like, prep mode for family to come in. You know, family comes in all the way from Germany. Things need to be perfect, especially when you're married to a German. Anyway, uh, uh, but uh, this, this is my wife and my daughter, a little picture here. This is uh, Maya. This was during uh, dinner when I was traveling and doing something, and they sent me these little pictures, little selfies, and they're like, this is what, she's like, this is what you're missing, Chris, you know, and so I'm always like, oh my gosh, then this this next one freaked me out a little bit. Uh, Maya selfie, you know what I mean? Like she's already doing selfies. No iPhone till you're 18, even though we know that's impossible. <laughs> but listen, I have been absolutely loving the year of the Bible. Uh, and I, I tell people all the time, one of the main reasons why I love it is because I, I feel like I'm challenged more than ever before to be in the word because you guys are in the Word. You guys are in the Word, and it's, it's so awesome to be reading stuff and being like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? What is this? Why? Or this is challenging me, and know that there are people all over the state of Arkansas that we're reading this together. We're in it together. We're being challenged together. We're learning and growing together, and so I just want to say thank you guys for being faithful. It's, it's helping me. Uh, it's keeping me in the game, and I, I promise I'm, I'm just learning more than I ever have, and uh, right now, some of the stuff that's going on, I love the book of Acts. It's so cool to see a guy like Peter. I mean, we just read about how he failed and he messed up and he was, all this stuff was going on, but all of a sudden in Acts, he becomes this bold believer that's speaking out about the name of Jesus and lives are being changed and he's actually setting the course for even us sitting right here. It's because of his boldness. And then a guy like uh, Saul who became Paul, you know, this guy's over here with all these things that are going on in his life, all this negativity just teaches us that no matter how far down we are, or maybe somebody we know is, there is hope for them because we have Christ. And so I, I, love, I love what we're reading right now, but today I want to get into the Old Testament a little bit. I don't, I don't know about you guys. I love the Old Testament, except for sometimes I don't. You know, I, gotta, I don't know if you ever have that. You're like, man, people just keep dying. You know, it's just all this death and horrific things. You know, anyway, I have a lot of questions too. When I'm reading sometimes in the Old Testament, I'm, I'm writing in my Bible all these questions. I've got a guy I meet with, his name's Bill Beck, kind of like a, a coach to me. And, uh, and I'll, I'll ask him all these questions. I'm like, Bill, but why? Why? And he's like, Chris, Sometimes grasshopper, don't ask why. You know, what I mean, like he just wants me. I'm annoying him with my many questions. So anyway, if if you guys have a lot of questions, I'm right there with you. But there's this one moment, and if you're if you're going to be reading along with me, we're going to be in First Kings 19 today. That's what we're going to be learning about. And there's this hero of the faith named Elijah. We all know him, uh, but he goes through this this moment where there, there's this person that puts fear in his heart. And then Elijah goes on this, down into this crazy spiral of fear, and it causes him to do all these, these strange things. And it just, it confused me, you know, like, why would he do this? So that's kind of the story we're going to be getting into today. But before we dive into that, I want to do a show of hands. 
Who in here has ever in your life had a moment of fear? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, that's most of you. There's a few like hunters that are like, man, raise my hand. I kill things in the woods. I ain't scared, you know. I'll shoot something. That's one of, they're scared of me. You know? <laughs> anyway, but mo- all of us have had moments of fear. We, we've, we've all experienced it from the toughest guy here, whatever, to the, 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 the smallest little kid here, whatever. We've all dealt with fear. And sometimes fears can be funny. You know, I, I'm, I'm, we're going to make fun of our, my wife and I are <laughs> to be able to joke about ourselves here a little bit. But me, I have a weird fear of fruit. And I know that seems ridiculous, but I would literally let the strongest dude in here punch me in the stomach before I would eat a banana. I just, I, I, the texture and I just, I hate fruit. I can't deal with it. People will mess with me, relentlessly mess with me in my, my life about, like, come up and be like, eat a banana and like put it in my face. I'm just like, Ooh. yeah, I, I can't, it's horrible. My wife, this is the craziest thing. I didn't tell her I was going to preach about this today because she probably wouldn't let me, but she is afraid of fortune cookies. <laughs> And I'm not talking about like afraid of like, oh, fortunes are bad. No, I'm talking like if I get a fortune cookie out of P.F. Chang's and toss it to her, she's like, ah, like, she like dodges it. So uh, one time I, I, got, I got this fortune. It was really sweet. It was like it was cool about our life. You know, it seemed like it fit. And I put it on her. <laughs> I put it on a pillowcase at night uh, on her bed. And I was and I hear like, Chris, what are you doing? Like she gets so mad. She's like, why are you pranking me? And I'm like. No, did you read it? She's like, no, I, I pushed it away. <laughs> she just, she can't deal with fortune cookies. Uh, what is other uh, funny? Some people are afraid of heights. That can be funny sometimes. Uh, how about fear of s- snakes? Like I, a lot of people fear fear snakes. I, I had a, I think it's a healthy fear. You know what I mean? Like they have fangs. Anyway, so I, I had a little bit of a fear of snakes, but my wife wanted to have a snake as a pet. And so I was like, well, okay, whatever. It'll just be in that glass cage so I don't have to worry about it. Well, one day, it was back in college. I'm, I didn't have my shirt on. I'm sitting at the computer, and I'm, I'm typing up a paper. And all of a sudden, I feel something cold in, on my shoulders. And I turn to my left, and like this snake of doom is just like in my face. Anyway, I said some words that cannot be uttered in church. And uh, we learned, <laughs> learned that I am, I'm afraid of snakes. Anyway, um, we have fears that are funny, but sometimes, guys, fear can be a debilitating thing in our life. It truly can be. Uh, fear of failure, just fearing to take another step because what if, what if we fa- fail? Fear of loss. Maybe it's losing a, a loved one in our life or losing a possession or, or losing a position, maybe. We're fearful, so we start holding on to these things tighter and tighter. Fear of illness. I actually have this. I'm, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, and some of it's funny, but... I can stub my toe, and I'm just certain that I'm never going to walk again. You know, like just these things can happen. Fear, fear of change. Some people were so afraid of something changing. We just want things to stay the same. And then the funny thing is, is other people are afraid that nothing will ever change. You know, we all have these different fears, but they can slow us down. They can lock us up on the inside. And what I've noticed about the enemy is he loves to use fear. Because New Life Church, let me tell you something. He can't touch you. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. If you found your, your, your place in Christ and your home in the house of the Lord, he's saying you're protected by me. The enemy can't touch you. But what he loves to do is he understands he can't do that, but he can sure throw the temptation of fear in your way. And if we choose it, if we take hold of it, suddenly and inexplicably we get slowed down and bogged down. If you're taking notes, the, the title today is Fear Will Wear You Out. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to wear you down and wear you out. So what what we're going to do is identify a few things about fear. 
about what it does to us and why it happens. And then we're going to identify a few things to overcome fear. I'm, I'm excited about this morning because the truth is this wasn't the original message I had planned. And I, I, I hear this sometimes from pastors and I never believe them. They're like, the Lord gave me something else. I'm like, whatever, you know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I had a whole different message ready to go. And I'm, but I, I've been struggling with worry and fear. And then I was a little bit behind in the year of the Bible, don't tell Rick. Uh, <laughs> but I was catching up and I read this story and immediately God was like, you need to preach on that. And I said, Lord, I don't have time right now. My God, the Germans are coming, you know, Lord. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. You know, it's like, and so, so honestly, you, could, you can call Harry and he'll, he'll vouch for this. I told him what the message was going to be. I said, this is, and I had to, and then I was like, all right, God, I got I to gotta do this. So I, my prayer is this. Today that this scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That this scripture would become a reality in my heart, because sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but that it'll become a reality in, in your heart too. That we'd walk out of here understanding, even if we don't feel like it all the time, we'll understand in our, in our hearts and in our, in our spirit that we never have to receive fear ever, not one time. It's never of God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind with self-discipline. Can we pray real quick? Let's invite God in on this. Lord, we just, we just ask you to be here. Lord, I pray that your spirit would encourage us this morning. You would, you would reveal areas of fear in our hearts, that you would show us, God, how to overcome. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Uh, you've given me a testimony in this, and I just thank you, God, that I have the opportunity to share with my friends in Cabot. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So before we get into 1 Kings 19, it's important to give a little bit of synopsis of what happened in 1 Kings 18, because it doesn't make sense what happens in 1 Kings 19. It just doesn't make any sense. So well, what we have is there's a drought going on in all the land, and Elijah hears from the Lord that the drought is going to come to an end. But Sounds like good news, but then God tells him, I need you to go get King Ahab, which is this enemy of Elijah and an enemy of God. He says, I need you to go get him and tell him that the drought is going to end and that I'm the one true God. So Elijah's like, okay, you're God, we'll do it. <laughs> so he goes and he, he sets up this meeting with Ahab and all these prophets, and it becomes almost like this gauntlet, this challenge, where Elijah's like, all right, here's the deal. I've heard from God. I know what's going to happen but you guys think that Baal is the one true God. So let's, let's set this up. Here's the rules. You guys go pick out two, two, two bulls, the best you can find, and you get to pick whichever one you want. I don't even care. Then you guys set up an altar. I'll set up an altar, and we're going to make a sacrifice to our God, the one that is consumed with fire, called down from heaven, then, then we'll know it's the one true God. So the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them, they get their choice bull, they slaughter it, they got it, they're doing their thing. And over here you got Elijah by himself, alone, the, the last standing prophet of, of the one true God. There he is. He's watching them do their thing. He starts getting buckets of water, dumping it all over his altar. Two things that are weird about this. One, you don't see people in a drought dumping water on things, but he knows the drought's ending, so he's dumping water. <laughs> he's not afraid. Second, things that you typically want to catch flame and burn up, <laughs> you don't usually douse them in water. But he knows that his God's all-powerful, so he's over here. And these prophets of Baal, you can imagine, right, 450 of them, they're doing their little dances and their thing. They're like, what the heck is this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
he's doing it because he knows. He's, 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 he's a little cocky. He's like, man. And then he goes even further. So they're doing their dances and doing their chants and doing all this stuff. He's like, <laughs> maybe your God is taking a nap. And, and this is, in the, you can read it. This is exactly what happens in the Bible. Then he's like, maybe he's relieving himself. Like literally, he says that maybe their God's in, on the toilet. Like that's, that's what he, I'm not being crude. That's what happens. It's in the word. He says it to him. He is taunting them. So finally, they're doing their thing. Nothing's happening. He's like, hold on, guys. Just take a time out here. Boom. And he just calls down fire from heaven. Wham. It consumes the offering, consumes the altar, eats it up, draws up all the water around it, and then everybody's just in awe. And he looks at me. He's like, I serve the one true God. Those 450 don't. Seize them. Put them to death. The people of Israel seize them, and they put them all to death, 450 people. So here we have this. I mean, basically this courageous guy that's talking trash to other gods and standing up for the one true God. Now let's take a look at what happens here in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4. All that just happened. Then when Ahab got home from all that, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, who is clearly a fan of Baal, sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Underline this in your scripture. Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. Time out, church. 450 prophets, fire coming down from heaven. How is he afraid? Why is he afraid? One thing God hit me with was this. Many of you right here, me too, we're in the midst of doing things for God, serving, doing whatever. We're seeing God move in all these different areas. But the fear starts with fatigue. We just get a little bit worn out. We get a little tired. And then suddenly things that we would never have been afraid of when we weren't fatigued, they become these major fears. They become these major setbacks. And I believe in our day and age, in our culture, this story of Elijah is so important because we are so busy. And a lot of times we're busy with good things, church and sports and kids and life and providing. I mean, these aren't bad things, but we get so fatigued that suddenly fear has an easier way into our heart. I truly believe that's a lot of what happened to Elijah. But either way, whatever caused it, he was afraid and it doesn't make any sense. Fear doesn't always make sense, but let's keep reading. And he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then, please underline this, he went on alone into the wilderness, underline the wilderness. So he goes out alone, and then he goes into the wilderness. Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. <laughs> so here's this guy, this hero. He's seen all these miracles. Now all of a sudden he's like, Lord, just kill me. It's all over. Here's what he says. I have had enough. Underline that. I have had enough. Take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. There are three things within this, exactly what happened to our hero that happened to us. The first one is fear isolates you. Fear wants to isolate you. The enemy knows you're weaker if you're away, if you're away from people. And if you think about our tendency, even from the time of, of being a child, when we're afraid, we hide. You know, you see kids and it's loud thunder, lightning, they hide under the covers, whatever. My daughter, um, we're raising her bilingual, so she's speaking German and English. It's really cool. But when she gets scared of something, especially when she's really tired, 
when she gets scared, she'll go nine, which is German for no. So she's like nine, nine, and then she'll run and she'll like jump up in my arms or my wife's arms and she'll just nestle her little head like right between our neck and shoulder. It's so cute. Actually, it makes me just want to scare her just to make her do it. You know, boo! Anyway, <laughs> that might backfire later. Anyway, when we're afraid, we tip, we typically hide. But when we were children, we would run to the arms of the father. We would run to the to arms of our mom to safety. The problem is, as we grow older, as we get more maturity, when we have fear and we, we, we have that same tendency, that innate tendency to hide, unfortunately, we don't hide in the arms of the Father. We hide in isolation. We hide away because fear, it, it, it tells us, no one can help you with this problem. How many of us have heard that in our spirits before when something's going on, when there's a worry or a fear? Nobody can help me with this. Or how about this one? No one understands. No one ever understands. So that's the enemy whispering isolation. Fear, fear says, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of what you've messed up in. You should be ashamed of what you're afraid of. Aren't you a Christian? Aren't you? See, that's the enemy whispering to isolate you, trying to get you away. Fear says, you'll never get out of this. So you might as well, just like Elijah said, just lay down and die. It's over. This is my life. All that is a tactic of the enemy to isolate you and to get you alone. I believe that's why Paul was so bold. He said, no, no, no. You haven't been given a spirit of fear that isolates. You've been given a spirit of power to overcome. You've been given a spirit of love to know that you're never alone. Spirit of self-control, a sound mind to identify this attack. So that, that happened to Elijah. What else, what else happens? Fear takes you backwards. Fear, guys, it takes us backwards. Look at what happened to Elijah. I told you underline the, the wilderness. What did the wilderness represent? If any Israelite, any Jewish person were standing right here from back then and you said the wilderness, they would say, oh, no, we already crossed the Jordan River, baby. <laughs> we've, we've come into victory. But fear takes you backwards. See, Elijah was clearly a prophet. He was clearly a leader. He was clearly set free, but he went back to that place that the Israelites were. It was like they were barely out of slavery. He, he, he left the promised land. He left all the things that, that God had given him. And he said, I'm going to go just die in the wilderness like I should have. I don't know about you guys, but I've had moments like that in my life where I'm like, man, I, I can't do this anymore. Uh, about probably five years ago now, I lose track of time, but I had ruptured a disc in my lower back. And th- this is the reason I'm preaching this message is, is what I'm about to talk to you about in this. But I, I ruptured a disc in my lower back and I remember just not being able to walk, not being able to bend over, not being able to put my shoes on. I mean, any physical activity, just it was done. I couldn't do it. And I, I remember thinking to myself, the, the pain of this was horrible, but you know what was worse? Was the fear that this will never change. That's what really broke my spirit. It was like, I'll never, I'm, when I have a child, I'm never going to be able to pick my child up out of the crib. I'm never... I just was so afraid, church, that this is the way it's always going to be. The enemy was having a field day. And so one morning, I was, I was sitting there and getting ready, and I was on my way to church at our Greater Little Rock campus. I was trying to put my shoes on, and I couldn't bend over to put my shoes on. The pain was so intense. I just, I just remember just over and over. And finally, you guys, I broke. I got so angry. I just I took my shoes, and I chunked them right across the room. Bam, they hit the wall. And I get into a shouting match with God. Little did I know, my wife had come in, and she's just watching me. I'm sitting on our fireplace, and I'm just looking up. I'm just screaming. I'm like, God, you can heal me with your pinky. 
with your pinky. You could come down. You could heal me. You're the king of kings. But you don't, you're not doing anything for me. You're not doing anything. I said, so this is, my, this is the deal. I said, God, either you heal me or within one year, or I promise you I'm going to climb up to the tallest mountain I can find, and I'm jumping off, and I'm killing myself. My wife was in the back of the room. She goes, Chris, how are you going to climb a mountain? You can't even tie your shoes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you, me lady. You know, so, so <laughs> Germans are just so honest. Anyway, but, but in that moment, I finally, you see where Elijah was? I might as well just die. I might as well just die. That's where I was. Fear had got me to the point where this was my reality. This is my reality forever. And God began to change that in me. He began to give me faith. He began to show me that whether in this life or the next, I will run again, I will walk again, I will be healed. And I started having this faith. And my, the, the feelings didn't change. The, the pain was still there, but my mindset changed. Then my mindset eventually it changed where now, man, I'm healed. I've seen God walk me through healing. I, I, when I was, uh, this, this last week, I went to the doctor about something. I've been having some problems with my ear for the last year, probably a little bit longer than that. And, th- and again, this is, this is right here while I'm preaching this message. So I went to the doctor. The, I get all these tests, and I'm losing some hearing. I've had some vertigo issues. So if I just, geek, if I fall off the stage in a second, just pray. Anyway, um, uh, but the doctor came in, and she was, like, super awesome. She comes in, she's like, we're just going to be believing for God to heal you. I'm like, man, this is, this is great, doctor. I'm going to come back here. You know, this is great. So she gets done describing to me what I have. It's called, she thinks it's something called Meniere's disease. So she gets done describing it, hearing loss, all these different things, and she just stops. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the treatment? She's like, oh, yeah, there isn't one. <laughs> That's why we're going to have to pray for God to heal you. I'm like, ah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, well, when I first heard all this, I was like, I was okay. But a few days later, all of a sudden, I started letting fear hit me. Then I started getting discouraged. My attitude began to change around the house. I began to get frustrated a little bit quicker about things. I mean, guys, this is this week. And the Lord just reminded me, he said, Chris, why are you going back to the wilderness? This pain you have, this hearing loss, this every once in a while vertigo, whatever, this is nothing. What's hurting you, what's hurting you is your fear. You're, you're afraid that this will never change. This will never go away. I've shown you time and time again that I'm your God. I'm your healer. I'm your provider. I'm going to do this for you. And I started going, oh, my gosh, you're right. But we have a tendency to want to go back into the wilderness. We have a tendency to go back to where we w- were because fear takes us backwards. That's what fear does. The last thing that fear does is the title of the message is fear wears you out. Can I be honest with you? Fear isn't real. <laughs> it's literally us concerning ourselves and worrying ourselves with something that isn't happening yet and probably never will. Studies show that only 8% of the things that we worry about and fear about actually come to pass. 8%. Now, you know you're a worrier if right now all you can do is try to think of what's the 8% for me. What is it? (laughs) You're just, you're freaking out. But listen, guys, we're wearing ourselves out with things that aren't even real. I am wearing myself out with the fear that I'm never going to be able to hear again. What if I can't, I love hiking. What if I can't hike anymore? What if I get vertigo when I'm on a mountain? Like, I mean, just the dumbest stuff. And God's saying, stop it. We say, what if I get sick? What, 
What if I never meet the right person? What if my boss doesn't recognize all the hard work I do? What if, what if it's Donald? What if it's Hillary? You know, we're just like panicking. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're from. We're all panicking right now. What if? You know what I say? You guys, I say the what ifs in life are robbing us from what is. And what is is we are sons and daughters of the one true God that's saying, I'm here. Listen to me. Trust me. Stop holding on to your fears and come to me. Listen, what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, he said, can all of your worries add a single day to your life? No, they sure can't, but they can take away a few. They can take away a lot of days because not even the days that we lose because we're worried and health show, studies show that that's bad for your health. They steal our day that we're worried. It's robbing us of what God has for you. And so I don't want to end the message here because, right, that's what worry does. See ya. You know, that's what fear is. Have a good lunch, you know, whatever. Like, we need to get into what do we do about it? And the first thing is admitting to ourselves that fear expects the worst and produces the worst. You guys got to see that. That's exactly what fear does. But faith, faith expects the best and produces the best. It brings it to pass. It's crazy how it works. And so today we need to learn how do we become people of faith and not people of fear. Let's see what Elijah did. Verses five through nine. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around there beside his head with some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead. This is so important. The journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. What does faith do? Faith rests in God. Let's, let's, let's review what's going on here. Here we have our hero laying down under a tree like, I just want to die. He's laying there. And what does the Spirit of God do? It comes and it gently wakes him up. It says, man, you need to eat. You need to drink. You need to be refreshed. I'm here for you. That bread, you know what it represents? A body that was broken for you and for me. It represents the bread of life, the bread, the bread of, of Christ. And he's saying, eat of this and be, be strengthened. The living water. Right now, we have access to but sometimes we're so afraid. We're, we're, not even let, we're not even trying to hear from God. We're so busy. We're not taking the time. Sometimes we need to admit, I'm worn out. I need to lean in and rest in God. And check this out, right? He says, here, eat. He drinks and he eats. Then what does Elijah do? He doesn't get up and win sprint to Mount Sinai. <laughs> he doesn't get up and be like, yes, Lord, now I will just defeat Jezebel. No, he, he lays back down. Why? Because he was so worn out. I'm giving every one of y'all permission not to give up. No, no, no. But to let go. To let go and to lean in in God. You're laying down. You're, you're, you're saying, I'm about to die. It's over. Let the Lord minister to you. Let you love you. Let him love you right where you're at. Let him encourage you. And then when you're done being encouraged, take another little, hit the snooze button, you know? And let him wake you up again and encourage you again. That's what he wants to do. That's how gentle our God is. That's how loving he is. And that's what I had to recognize. I need to slow down. I'm wearing myself out. 
God wants to love me right here because that's who he is. Will I trust him? Will I trust to take what he has to give me like Elijah did? So then what happens next? Faith listens in the storm. Would you write that down? Check this out. Verses 9 through 12. There he came to a cave. So now remember, he's, 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 he's had the food, he's had the water, he's energized, but he's not done yet. He's not like, I got this, God. He's still in this place. He came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? How do I know he wasn't done yet? Check it out. Elijah replied, God, I have zealously served you, the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel, man, they broke their covenant. They've torn down your altars. They killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. That's how this reads. That's what he's saying. He's saying, God, I'm in this by myself. I've got nothing. No one. But I think what God wants us to learn, children of God, is he wants us to learn how to listen in the midst of the storm. Because these things that he's about to list, I believe, are representations of your storm, of my storm. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said to him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Some of us were always praying, God, I need you to show me a sign. I want mountains to be exploded. I want bushes to just catch on fire in front of me. And it's not happening. We're like, God, where are you? Well, God's not in the, the windstorm. It was a terrible blast, man, those rocks, but he wasn't in it. He wasn't in the wind. And there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And that's where God was. I feel like God's asking me and you in the midst of our worry, in the midst of our fear, to stop asking for God to come in and blow everything up. He's starting to ask us, will you just calm down? Will you hear me through the storm? Will you listen to my voice? Will you, will you be quiet enough to come near to me? Because I'm the real refuge. I'm, I'm the real place of safety. And I've noticed in my life, I have a bad, bad habit of wanting to get loud. <laughs> when things are getting loud around, when things are loud outside, I feel like I just need to fight back. Sometimes I'm wearing myself out. You know, the Lord talks about in Exodus, he said, be still and let the Lord fight for you. Sometimes we have to learn that art. So I, I was at one point, this is probably 15 or so months ago, uh, my wife and I just had my issues about, you know, but anybody within that one and three month old range. And I don't know if any of you have had kids before, but it changes things. Anyway, so, so you know, we have our daughter, and it's, just, it's awesome, but there was so many things that were different, mainly sleep. Uh, so anyway, so we're going through all the normal stuff, but there, was a, there were a few things that Katerina was very strong about, like what she believed we should be doing on, on certain things. But I was strong on what I thought we should be doing on, on these certain things, just a couple deals. But, man, they began to create this tension, major tension. And, again, instead of quieting down and listening to the small voice, I was looking at the issue, focusing on the problem, and speaking to the problem. And so one day we were in this discussion, and that's Christian for an argument. Anyway, so we're like, we're, we're arguing. We're just, like, going at it and, and arguing with each other. And, guys, I've, I've never, 
I've told this story. I think I told this story to the student ministry at this campus. And when I did, like, the girls were like, mm, you know, they just got upset. I've never done this before. I'll never do it again. Call it sleep deprivation. I don't know what caused it, but I was like, we're just, we were at an impasse. And I finally just said, Kat, I'm the leader around here. <laughs> and I looked at her, and um, the fire of a thousand suns greeted me. Um, she was she was looking back at me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. She stood up, like, really slowly and deliberately, and she was holding our daughter, and she stood up, and she said, we will never do what you say to do, and just walked away. <laughs> just, I knew 100% chance I'm dying. Like, she's going to kill me in my sleep. It is over, you know? But when I looked back on the situation, you guys, I had caused so much fear so much tension because I was focused only on the storm. I wasn't focused on the calm voice of the Lord saying, this too shall pass. If I would have just believed that it would have gotten better and calmed down, I wouldn't have been fighting for my point, my, my solution. And guys, I, I believe that we have to remind ourselves to listen to his voice through the storm. And here's what, here's what that does. Here's what faith does. In the middle of a storm, faith gives you perspective. We just sang this song. Let me make sure. When you do what only you can do, it changes what we see and what we seek. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, Ethan, thank you. You chose a bunch of good songs this morning to go with this message. When he does and enters in and does what only he can do, it changes how we see things. It gives us a different perspective. It changes what we seek. We're not just seeking the solution, the solution, the solution. We press pause and we say to the king, God, don't get me out of this. What are you trying to teach me through this? What are you changing in me? Because God's number one goal isn't always to rescue you out of your storm. It's to help you become more like his son. And so we need to understand faith gives you that purpose, too, when you're going through a storm, to understand there's a reason God's going to work on this. Like right now, like the humming in my left ear, I'm bang, you know what I mean? Like it, it can get crazy and get frustrating and wear me out. But I'm going, okay, God, I'm not going to ask you constantly over and over, heal me, deliver me. What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? And he's faithful to show us. He's faithful to rescue us. The last thing that faith does is faith follows his voice over our feelings. First Kings nineteen thirteen, our last scripture, it says, when Elijah heard it, that's the voice of God, that whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. This is a man that's still tired. He's still battling fear. It's not all over, but he knows who's with him. And that wrapping of his face is him saying, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for you to lead me. And the incredible thing, church, is you know what God does right in this moment? He leads Elijah to Elisha because he knows that Elijah can't do it alone. Can I tell you, God knows what you need. He knows what you need to overcome your fatigue and your fear. We just got to rest in him a little bit. We got to listen to his voice in the storm. And then we got to follow that voice over our feelings because God's, our feelings are roller coasters. Doesn't matter, man. If you, like I said, if you're the strongest dude in here and you think I'm steady, you're a little roller coaster. 
You're going to roller coaster. And how many of us have been on that roller coaster? We think things are going fine, but there's a trap door ahead. You know what I'm talking about? The, the worst thing, you think the ride's over, then all of a sudden the ground just opens up and you're just, you're going down again. That's what life can be like when we're founded in our feelings. But we're not supposed to be founded in feelings. Church, we're supposed to be founded in our faith, in an immovable word, in, in, the, in, our, in our faith in Christ who for all time has set a standard for us that we can believe in. So this morning, some of you are feeling hopeless. Your fear has taken you to a hopeless place. I know some of y'all are in here with that. Can I, can I remind you what your faith says? Your faith says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. It's never hopeless. Some of you in here, you feel alone. No one understands. No one can be by me. No one loves me enough. Well, your feelings may be telling that. Your fear may be telling you that. But your faith and my faith today, it's telling you that, man, no height, no depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God, for he will never leave or forsake his children. Some of you guys right here today, you're saying, man, I'm, I'm, I've ruined it all. My marriage is done. I've been there. I have. 13 years ago when I walked into New Life Church, I thought it was over, my marriage. You know what? My feelings said that. Some of your feelings just say, I've ruined my job. I've ruined, I've ruined it. But you know what the Lord is saying? He's saying, I can work all things together for the good of those that are called to my son, Jesus Christ, and to his purpose. I got this. Just have faith. Be founded in your faith. Some of us are saying, I'm, I've got to give up. It's over. I can't keep going. He's saying, Rest, rest in me. Stop striving. I gotta get it done. I gotta, but I can't. I'm so, he's saying, man, those that wait on the Lord, your feelings are telling you something different, but your faith is saying those who wait on the Lord will rise up with wings as eagles. They will renew their strength, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Can we be people of faith? So here's the deal. We gotta choose faith. Fear happens on accident, I promise. <laughs> You're going to wake up and be afraid of this or that, or fear will hit you, worry will hit you. You've got to choose faith. And when you choose it at the first moment, church, I'm telling you, it won't just click in gear and you're just clicking your heels and loving God. It's not going to be like that. But over time, if you'll dedicate yourself to fighting off fear and to intentionally choosing faith, your life will be changed for all time. I'm in the fight. I'm trying to get there one day at a time, and I want to pray that you'll join me in it. Let's be people of faith. Bow your heads all across the room. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, for what you do. Lord God, I pray that each and every person here would have the courage to be real with you right now. Whether it's a 1% fear hold in their life or they are 100% consumed by faith. Excuse me, 100% consumed by fear. Lord, I pray that right here in this moment, you would give them the courage to take one small step to you. And that one small step is going to be to lift their arm, lift their hand in just a moment. So give them the courage. If you're here and you struggle with fear and you're saying, I, got, I want faith, I want faith to be what I choose, raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in this room, hands going up everywhere. Come on, leave your hand up. God, I pray for all these hands raised. Lord, the simple truth right now over each and every one of them declared over their life that they are not given a spirit of fear. We reject it 
We say no more. We don't want it. We take hold of your, God, your spirit of love. Lord, that reminds us that you're always with us. Your spirit of power that reminds us that we have favor because we are children of God. You split the sea so we could walk right through it over dry ground. An ocean of fear once was there, but now there is dry ground because of not our power, not our efforts, but because of God, your power who you are and what you do. And lastly, you've given us the spirit of a sound mind and self-control to recognize when fear hits, when worry hits, that it is an attack. So we, Lord, claim what you give us and we reject everything else. And we thank you that you're with us always, God. You're a good God. Jesus, we love you. Every hand can go down and we receive what you have to give. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Can we give it up for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he's good, amen. Told y'all. Great word today. Hey, as we get ready to take our tithes and offerings, I want to share a verse.